So this morning we're continuing our series called Making Room for Jesus. Making room for Jesus in your life. And it obviously comes from the Christmas story when Mary and Joseph went into Bethlehem and they couldn't find a place to stay. And there was no room for Jesus, right? There was no room for them in the inn. And in your life, these are the questions that you've got to begin answering in your life. As we go into this next year especially, I hope that you'll begin to analyze your life a little bit more. You know, we don't grow without a little bit of pain. And we don't grow absolutely without any decisions. You know, we have to make good decisions in order for us to grow in this world and in this life. And don't you know, God wants us to grow. And listen, there is no such thing as just being stagnant, just being, you know, just staying somewhere. You're either climbing this hill or you're falling backwards. That's the way this works. And I wish I could tell you differently, but that's the truth. You're either growing to get better, growing to be stronger and moving towards that mountain or that hilltop, moving towards the sun or you're falling back. So some questions as we go into this, as we we started last week and as we're going into this series is basically this. Have you made room for Jesus in your life? Would God say that he is welcome and comfortable coming into your life and living with you? Are you growing to know who he is, what he likes and what he doesn't like and what God does? And are you doing those things with your life? Have you given him his place in your life? So today I want to talk with you about this. Making room for Jesus by making Jesus your Lord. Making him your Lord. There are so many ways that we could say the word Lord in the English language. Is he your leader? Is he your leader? Is he somebody that leads you? Is he the head? Is he the chief of your life? Is he the boss? Is he your director? Is he your guide? Who is he to you? Is he your mentor? Or is he your, your advisor? Is he your superior? Is he your supervisor? Is he someone that can tell you what to do and you say, okay, I'm going to do it? Or is he someone that can tell you what to do and you say, no, not going to do it. Is he your supervisor? Is he your leader? Is he your Lord? Is he your front runner? Is he your trailblazer? Is he your top dog? Is he the one that you look to for guidance in your life? To teach you, to show you, to mentor you, to take you where he wants you to go and to, and to show you what to do with your life. Is that Jesus in your life? Is he Lord or is he just your savior? You see, it's one thing to say, well, Jesus is my savior. But it's another thing to say, he's my savior and Lord. You see, it's one thing for someone to just rescue you. But it's another thing for you to, to spend the rest of your life serving them and honoring them and loving them. And letting that person lord over your life. And that's what God wants in your life. And guess what? The coolest thing about the way God runs your life is the more that he lords your life, the more free you are. Well, no, that sounds like bondage to God. No, this is what's amazing about God is he sets you free. And he becomes the lord of your life and your life becomes more free. How many of you found that in your life? 
It's awesome. Have you made room for Jesus to tell you what to do with your life? Have you made room for him to guide you? Have you learned his voice, that still small voice that we talked about last week? Have you learned what he sounds like? And when he speaks, do you know it's him? Or are you wondering if it's the pizza from last night? And you're like, I'm not sure that was God. Or do you know his voice yet? Because his sheep, what? Know his voice. Have you made room for him to give you his vision? His plans. What he wants to accomplish. You know, while we're so busy over here doing this, what if God is over here going, hey, 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 I need somebody on this project. And I created these specific people to do this, but they're so busy over here doing this that they can't see this. Is that you? Or can you say, I am busy about the father's business. That's what Jesus said. His parents and everybody had gone back home and they were on the road for three days and they were like, hey, didn't we have a kid? Where's Jesus? Well, we haven't seen him yet. We don't think he left Jerusalem. They had to turn around and go get him. And they said, what in the world were you doing? Well, didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? Y'all went and did all that while I was doing what the father wanted. And so in your life, have you made room for what the father wants? Really? God made you because he needs you. Your parents may have said you were an accident, but you weren't. God made you because he needs you. And that's what the Bible teaches us, is that he wants to use each and every human being. Not like McDonald's does. They use you to just feed their accounts, right? And they feed you. But God made you and formed you and shaped you just the way that you are because he needs you. There's something in this life, in this world, that he wants you to accomplish for him. And with that comes purpose. With that comes meaning in your life. And as long as you're still breathing and as long as there's still blood pumping in your veins, you've still got that. No matter how much you've messed up your life and no matter how messed up you are, you still have that meaning and that purpose for, for you to accomplish that God has given you. Have you made room for that meaning and purpose in your life? Or are you still wanting to do your own thing? I remember when I was in ninth grade, and I think I told this story earlier this year, so um, just humor me if you haven't, if you've heard it already, all right? It, to me, it's a big story because it was a life-changing moment in my life that, that I look back on. And in ninth grade, I was, um, I, I don't remember the, the events that really led up to it. I remember some of it, but I was going through a really tough transition in my life in ninth grade. And I had already sensed a call on my life from God to, to, you know, be a vocational minister. And I was going to, you know, it had been over a year since I knew that that was the call on my life. And so I found myself in ninth grade, I was kind of, I, I was struggling, I was going through a difficult time. And I remember walking into the bathroom in, in high school and I, and I looked in the mirror 
in the bathroom. And I talked to myself and I said, today, you're going to quit serving God and you're going to go the way of your brother. My brother was four years ahead of me. He was a star wrestler in the school. And I was known four years after him as Jerry Eaton's brother. That really, I hated that. And I remember standing there in that, I could take you to that bathroom right now and show you where it was in the mirror. I can see myself. Today, you're going to go the way of your brother. So at wrestling practice that night, man, I was hitting it hard. It was going great. Man, I was, I was doing awesome that night, you know. I was hitting all cylinders. Coach was using me to show the guys certain moves. And it was awesome, man. And during a break moment when the coach hadn't told us what to do, I was just working on my neck and I went up on a bridge. And while I was up on that bridge, nobody was on me. There was no strain on me or anything. All of a sudden, the worst pain I could possibly feel in my neck and in my shoulder right here, everything just grabbed and started spazzing. I started having cramps here. It was absolutely awful. Mom picked me up. And on the way home, if she just let off the gas, I would writhe in pain. It was that bad. And this went on for like weeks. God changed the trajectory of my life in that moment. He said, you think you're going to walk away? I don't think so. You're not walking away. I did wrestle the next year, but it never Never came back. I never, I never caught up to where I was. It, God didn't care if I wrestled or not. What God cared about was me doing what he wanted me to do. And he stopped me. And here's the truth. I could have said, no, God, it doesn't matter what you do. I'm going to still go my own way. I'm going to still go the way of my brother. I'm going to do life the way I want to do it. I'm done with you. I could have still done that. But God stopped me at least enough that I was able to turn around and come back and make sure. Listen, as far as I'm concerned, God sent a whale to me. I was like Jonah, happily going my own way. And all of a sudden he touched me and it changed my life. Brought me back and got me back on track. God stopped me from going the wrong way. And I'm so grateful for that. You know what? I... <laughs> If it weren't for that moment, I don't believe I would have had the wonderful wife that I had. I don't believe that I would have, have, I would have the wonderful kids that I have. And I certainly wouldn't have the wonderful church family that I have today. I don't know where I'd be. And the scripture says, where there is no wise, intelligent guidance, the people fall and go off course like a ship without a helm. Imagine a ship without a helm. It just floats and goes wherever the wind blows it. And he says, without good leadership, without lordship over your life, that's what your life is going to look like. And the question is, who is lord of your life? Is it you? Is it someone else? Is it some kind of an addiction? Or is it God? Who is lord of your life? Who is coaching you? The thing is, when that happened to me in my neck and my shoulder, my coach could tell me what to do, but... I couldn't do what the coach wanted me to do. I couldn't even do what I wanted to do with my life at that moment. 
Who's coaching you? Who's telling you what to do with your life and where to go and what matters in your life? Is it someone that's, that's leading you somewhere that, other than where God wants you to go? Or is it truly a godly person? Is it God himself? God says, I want to be the Lord of your life. Are you like some slave imprisoned? Are you addicted? Are you trapped? Who is the Lord or what is the Lord of your life? Maybe you've given your life over to someone or something that controls you. And it's time for you to make that switch. It's time to say, Jesus is my Lord. And I'm going to make him Lord of my life. Make him your Lord. You've got to see yourself free from that addiction. You've got to see yourself free from that sickness, that illness. And know that God wants to bring you out of it. Amen? See yourself whole and healed. See, see your life restored. See your marriage restored. See yourself smile in the mirror again. Instead of going in the mirror and saying, what's wrong with you? Or I'm done with God. Whatever it is that you might say when you look at yourself in the mirror. Maybe you're depressed. Instead of that, you go and see yourself smile again. Know that God has a plan. Know that God has a purpose. And beyond that, know that God has a need for you to be here. If he's allowed you to still be here breathing and with blood pumping through your brains, he needs you. He needs you. See yourself doing his purpose, building and growing his church and being a part of the kingdom of God. See yourself doing that and begin to live it out. Oh, come on, folks. I know it's the 9 a.m. service, but you can give me something. You were made for his purpose. He has a reason for you being here. You say, well, John, you're talking to everybody else. No, I'm talking to you. I am talking to you. You have a, a need from God to be here. There's a reason for you being here. And it's your responsibility to live that out by making him Lord of your life. You see, sometimes the pain of life is there to get you back on track like it was for me. But other times the pain of life is there so that it's for the glory of God to be seen. You know, like Jesus said about the blind man, he was like, no, this guy wasn't born blind for, for any reason other than the fact that it was for this moment. So God's glory could be seen in his life. His mom and dad didn't sin. That's not why this happened. Here's what I do know this. You already know the direction Jesus would send you in your life. You already know what it would be. If you haven't turned, him, turned your life over to him as Lord of your life, you already know the direction that he would send you. And maybe you're afraid of it. If you made him Lord of your, of your life, where would he send you? You already know it. Why? How do I, why do I say that? Because it's not ambiguous. Your whole life has been moving towards that direction. God is continually moving your life in that direction. He's continually pointing you in the direction that he wants you to go. You see, God has been consistently guiding you all your life. And every time you get off track, he brings you back. He brings some kind of pain into your life or he allows something to happen. Someone comes along and, and helps him lead you and guide you. But your whole life, you've been going like this and God still brings you right back to where he wants you to be going. You can look at your life and if you turn your life all the way over to him and say, okay, 
You are the Lord. You are the leader of my life. You already know what direction he's going to take you in your life. It's like a plant. No matter what happens to that plant, as long as it's alive, it keeps what? Growing towards the sun, right? Someone steps on it, what happens? Lifts back up and starts growing towards the sun. Someone mows it over. What happens? It starts growing towards the sun. That's like God's purpose in your life. Someone stepped on you. Oh, you start growing towards the sun. The S-O-N, right? You get mowed over. What happens? Your purpose, your plan, God's meaning for your life. You start growing towards it again. You mess up, you get off track, you do something stupid, you ruin your life as far as you're concerned. What happens? Uh, You get back up and you start growing towards the sun. That purpose, that meaning that God created you for. That's what it, so you're here today and I have a brief letter for you from the master, from the Lord, the King of kings and Lord of lords. I have a a message for you and that message is you already know what he wants you to do with the rest of your life. If you'll make him Lord of your life, you will begin to really move towards that direction and you'll be able to see his work and his meaning in your life more than you ever have. And your life will begin to make sense. All of the pain, all of the struggle, it makes sense when you add it all together and put it towards that meaning and purpose that God created you for. God needs you. God needs you. He wants you. But here's the danger that humans face in this. You see, denying his lordship in your life means that you have to crucify him. This is why Jesus got crucified by humans. It's not why he let them do it. He let them do it so that we could be saved. But why did they do it? They did it because they didn't want his lordship. And if you don't want his lordship in your life, you got to crucify him. You got to destroy him. He cannot just be your savior because Jesus starts meddling with you. You see, Jesus didn't get crucified because he was an evil person. He's the best person in town. He helped people. He didn't hurt anybody. He was crucified because they didn't want him to be their king. Let me read this to you. So Pilate took Jesus and had him whipped. The soldiers, having braided a crown of thorns, set it on his head. They threw a purple robe over him and approached him with, Hail, King of the Jews. King of the Jews. This is what the Roman guards were calling him. You're the King of the Jews. We recognize you as the King of the Jews. This is what he was accused of. Then they greeted him with slaps in the face. Pilate went back out again and said to them, I present him to you, but I want you to know that I do not find him guilty of any crime. Pilate was trying to find a way to let the guy live. And so he brought Jesus back out before them. He's got the crown of thorns on him. He's been beaten up already. Just then Jesus came out wearing the crown, the thorn crown and a purple robe. You can imagine what that looked like. And as he came out, Pilate said, here is the man. 
And when the high priests and the police saw him, they shouted in a frenzy, crucify, crucify. A little bit later, there's some other stuff that takes place. And a little bit later, Pilate brings Jesus back out to them again. And it says, the hour was noon. Pilate said to the Jews, here's your king. Here's your Lord. Here's your leader. And they shouted back, kill him. Kill him. Kill him. Crucify him. And Pilate said, I am to crucify your king? And the high priest answered, we have no king except for Caesar. Manipulating him. When Pilate caved into their demand, he turned him over to be crucified. You see, Pilate wrote in three different languages. And the scripture indicates that he personally wrote it. Three different languages. He wrote this and he posted it on the cross. You see, it was customary that whatever the accused was being accused of, why he was dying would be written on this epitaph on, and, and nailed to the cross with him. And he wrote this on the cross. Jesus, King of the Jews. This is why humans crucified Jesus. They didn't want him to be their Lord. They didn't want him to be their king. So they killed him. And when you don't make him Lord of your life, the only real fault you can find in him is his kingship. That you don't want him to be the king of your life. You don't want him to be the Lord of your life. Otherwise, he's perfect in every way. And the world declares, this is, listen, this is why the world declares what is good is bad. Why? Because God said it was good. And they say, no, we don't want him to be our king. We don't want him to be our Lord. This is bad because we want our own way. And this is why the world says what is bad is good. Why? Because God says it's bad. This is why it's bad. It's only bad because God said it's bad. And we don't want him to be our king. We don't want him to be our Lord. We want to do our own thing. It's the rebellion of humankind against the lordship of God. And when we don't make him lord of our lives, we have to crucify him. We have to say, no, you're not my king and I will kill you for it. And that's what we do in our lives. We will fight everything God says is good and we will fight everything that God says is bad. And it's why the world doesn't make sense. And here's the truth. The world doesn't really believe good is bad. Why? Because they're so inconsistent with it. And it just depends on who is saying it's good. And if God says it's good, then it must be bad. Are you all following me? So Jesus tells you what he likes and doesn't like. And it's up to you as to whether or not you will make him Lord of your life and say, I like it because God likes it. And I don't like it because God doesn't like it. It's bad because God doesn't like it. It's good because God likes it. That's the choice that we make when we make him Lord of our lives. You see, Jesus tells us, this is what I'm doing. I'm growing and building my kingdom, my church, and you can get involved if you want to. And you can say, all right, I want to get involved and I want to do what God wants us to do as, as children of his. Why? Because I make him Lord and I say what he says is good to do is good for me. And what he says isn't good to do isn't good for me. And that's what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. I'm going to do what I can to build his kingdom. 
kingdom. Why? Because God said it's good and he's my Lord. But here's the problem. We have the same deficiency the Jews had when they looked and said, no, he's not our king and we don't want him to be. He's not rich enough. He's not powerful enough. And he's God. And we will do the same thing that they did. And listen, if you want to look, here's, here's just a tip in our world. If you want to look to see whether or not a leader in our world is good or evil, look to see who the world is crucifying. If the world doesn't like them, get on board. It just makes sense. But there is one leader that has already been crucified and it didn't stop him. It was just the beginning. And he raised the life. And that's Jesus. And can you imagine what it was like to be one of those guys that slapped him, beat him, ripped his body to shreds and find out that he's alive? So here's a question you're going to have to answer today. How do you know if Jesus is your Lord? How do you know? John Maxwell, he teaches leadership principles. I do like this part of it. He says that leadership is influence. Nothing more, nothing less. So if we apply that to this, then the question is answered by saying, has Jesus influenced your life? Have you embraced what he likes? And you, have you pushed away what he doesn't? If you look at the manger and you see power. You see, if, if you look at the manger and you see something, that's ridiculous. How pitiful. Or if you look at the manger and you go, wow, the God who created the universe was so secure and so powerful and so strong that he didn't have to come in some huge display of splendor and power and awesomeness. But he came as a little baby into this world and was so protected and so powerful that nobody in the world could touch him even though they were already trying to kill him at that time. And he just came and was like, feed me. That was God. And if you look at that and you see power, then you're letting him influence you. But if you look at it and you go, that's ridiculous. That's stupid. That's the dumbest story I've ever heard. Then no, he's not influenced you. If you look at the stable and deeply respect how he came, then you're letting him influence you. You see, the Israelites, they thought he was going to come and be their king and make them the most powerful nation in the world. But that's not why he came. He came to make all of you and me princes and princesses, brothers and sisters, his church. If you read uh, and apply his teachings in your life, 
then he's Lord. If you read the Bible trying to understand who he is instead of looking for reasons to not believe in him, then he's Lord. If you're growing in the way of love, then he's Lord. And love doesn't always look like love. So you really have to grow and understand what love really looks like. Love was not found in the law. The law said, don't do these things. But it missed the law of love. And if you're growing and learning how to apply love to these things in your life, then you know he's Lord. But if you're just walking around going, hmm, Bible says don't lie, don't lie. You told somebody that you're going, you're going here instead of a birthday party. That was a lie. That's ridiculous. What? That's religion. That's law. That's not love. You've got to learn the way of love. And that's what Jesus taught us. And until you allow Jesus to begin to influence your life, you're always going to struggle with disappointment. Your life isn't going to make sense. You're going to have pains in your life, things that happened years ago that still don't make sense. And God says, no, all of that was so that you could move towards the Son. Move towards the purpose, the reason for which I created you. Move towards the need that I have for you on this earth to exist that I allow you to exist. And that is why. So that you can move towards it. To grow towards the sun. And here's the fact. He isn't just Lord. He's Lord of Lords. He isn't just the king. He's the king of kings. And have you made him the Lord of your life? He is the ultimate in direction, vision, opportunity, strength. He's the ultimate in all of it. And his ways are perfect. His ways are always right. One day Jesus told the disciples, this is such a great story. He was like, hey guys, I'm going to be tortured and crucified. He just plainly laid it out there for them. And James and John's mother was there. And she walked up to Jesus and she had something to say. And Jesus looked at her and he said, all right, what do you want? And she looked at him and said, give your word that these two sons of mine will be awarded the highest places of honor in your kingdom. One at your right hand, Jesus, and the other at your left. And I was complaining about my mom posting that picture on Facebook. Can you imagine what James and John were over there doing? They're like, oh, no, this is mom. Mom, please don't. And when the 10 others heard about this, they lost their tempers. I mean, this is the disciples. They were mad at them. What is wrong with you? Fairly disgusted with the two brothers. So Jesus got them together and settled things down. You can, guys, 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 come on, come on, huddle up. Come in, we got to talk this through. Let's work this out. I mean, you can imagine Jesus, he's like, I really need to get back to the throne, you know? So Jesus got them together, settled things down, and he said, all right, guys, let me, let me tell you what this looks like. This is my lordship, and I want you to do this. He says, you've observed how godless rulers throw their weight around. You've observed that. And how quickly a little power goes to their heads. 
It's not going to be that way with you. Whoever wants to be great must become a servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. That is what the Son of Man has done. That's what I have done. I came to serve, not to be served, and then to give away his life, my life, in exchange for the many who are held hostage. James David, would you come? So when Jesus is your leader, what is he saying? When he's your Lord, you'll serve, you'll love, you'll honor, you'll beget, you'll give. Your life will become like a fountain that he's flowing through. He's living through you when you make him your Lord. Anybody here know what the word hallelujah means? Praise the Lord. Do you remember Handel's Messiah? Hallelujah. one of the most majestic songs ever written. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Then he starts again. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. For the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. For the Lord God omnipotent Praise the Lord. I'm not near done. (laughs) Praise the Lord. 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 Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. The kingdom of this world is become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and he shall reign forever and ever and he shall reign forever and ever forever and ever forever and ever king of kings forever and ever praise the lord praise the lord and the lord of lords forever and ever praise the lord praise the lord king of kings forever and ever praise the lord praise the lord and Lord of lords forever and ever. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. King of kings forever and ever. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And the Lord of lords. King of kings and Lord of lords. He just couldn't stop. 
Can you imagine him writing this? And he shall reign, and he shall reign, and he shall reign forever and ever. King of kings forever and ever. And he shall reign. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And he shall reign forever and ever. King of kings and Lord of lords. King of kings and Lord of lords. And he shall reign forever and ever. Forever and ever. Forever and ever. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And praise the Lord. some point I think he praised the Lord you just wonder what in the world led him to this moment of writing this song it had to be a moment like the apostle John when he's walking down the road and he realized oh my god I'm walking with the creator of the universe. He wrote those beautiful words and opened his book. When we know who he is and we recognize he is the Lord, the King of Kings, and we make him the Lord of Lords. trajectory of your life will change and you'll make meaning out of all the stuff that you've been through some of you were homeless at one point look where you are today some of you were drug addicts at one point look where you are today praise the Lord Praise the Lord. Just kept coming back. Moving towards that meaning and purpose. And you finally gave your life over to him. And said, he is Lord. He is Lord. Would you bow your heads? Is he your Lord? alone is worthy. Have you made room for him to be Lord? God, I give you my life. I give you my heart. I give you my all. Help me. Come on, say help me, God, to live with you as Lord. Help me to learn your ways and your will, what you like and don't like, and accommodate for you. And God forbid I ever do anything to say, no, I don't want you to be my king. I give you my life. Help me. Father, I pray over each of these that as we go into this new year, we make you 
our Lord, our King, our leader, our guide, our mentor, our confidant. You are everything, our teacher. God, I thank you that you're going to unleash favor on us. I thank you that you see and you love us. You care about each and every one of these. And God, I trust that you're bringing health, victory, freedom. You're breaking chains. You're setting captives free. As we make you our Lord, our Savior, who saved us that we will serve the rest of our lives for you. Our Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you, God, that we can trust you. Now lead us and guide us. Help us to learn your voice if we don't know it. Thank you for your love and blessing and mercy in Jesus' name.